From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong, and it's great to be back with you uh, in our uh, professional studio. I I haven't actually got on record, uh, Dario, what your thoughts have been as you've been in this studio for several episodes now. What what do you think? This is not even a studio, but I am joking, of course. But what do you think? No, this is good. This is sufficient. This is (laughs) professional enough in comparison to some I have seen. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, I like the word sufficient. (laughs) Sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Like the great. last studio I saw was in somebody's closet. So. Oh, well, see, yeah, at least we're not like in a closet with blankets over our heads. Yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Although we did start, we did start this whole journey like four years ago with this podcast. We had mattresses up yeah, against exactly. the wall and everything. So uh, we've come a long way, kind no. of. No, <laughs> We've come away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. Well, you've heard some of these voices and I want to introduce uh, the other servants that are here with me. Um, first of all, Dario Richards to my right. Bonsoir. Okay. Okay. Although it's, well, it's okay. Never mind. <laughs> bon- bonsoir is the afternoon. I was thinking, what time does the podcast come out? <laughs> I was going to say bonjour. But it's like, it may come out in the afternoon somewhere. 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 Yeah. So if you are listening to this in the afternoon, this is for you. That's that was right. awesome. And you are French. <laughs> no. Um, no, excellent. Good, good, good. Um, across from me, Natalie Franco. Then I'm going to say buenos dias. Yes, oh, there you, right. go. there you okay, go. There you go. In case you're listening in the morning. That's true. That's true. <laughs> And, and it, it, at night, I don't know what Emily's going to do, but Emily Armstrong to my left. I'm pay everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, didn't let us down. That's for sure. Uh, well, we are going to talk about evangelism today and uh, not in the traditional sense. Uh, we're really going to use kind of an article that grabbed our attention by Michael Frost or Mike Frost uh, from Australia. And uh, his article is called Jesus Take the Wheel. We'll include that in the show notes, but a little story that he shares, uh, testimony that he shared, and then we'll dive into kind of the implications. Well, he was telling about an Uber driver that pulled up outside his house for a ride to the airport. He was a young guy. He had a big smile. And in fact, he was the one that kind of started the conversation. Maybe, maybe Mike Frost was the one that was kind of like, I just want to put my earbuds in and I just don't want to listen to anyone. And it's just, ah, it's another trip to the airport. Right. But his driver actually said, uh, I've been with Uber for a while now. And I reckon I've driven around 3,000 customers in that time. I've asked every one of them the same question he started. Would you mind if I ask you too? All right. He said, of course. Mike Frost said, yeah. And so he said, uh, this trip is going to take around 40 minutes to the airport. But if you could have anyone in the world alive or dead, this is so good. I mean, I feel like maybe we should answer this, but then we would get off topic. But um, if you could have anyone in the world alive or dead, be your Uber driver for this 40 minute journey, who would you choose? Now, obviously, Mike Frost is thinking about a lot of things, but he answers Jesus. And the guy's like, huh, well, that's a pretty rare one. The driver says, I think I've only had around a dozen customers out of 3000. Remember his estimate is, uh, is about 3000 that, uh, pick Jesus. And he said, why, why Jesus? Why not somebody, you know, uh, maybe famous from politics or from music or from film. And, uh, he started to talk about how 
In fact, I'll just read it here. Uh, Mike Frost says, I explained that it was a beautiful thing to love someone you've met through the written word and in your spirit, but it still left you with a yearning to encounter that person face to face. It's just because I love Jesus. And we talked for a while. I opened up about his wisdom, his compassion, Jesus's compassion, his wisdom, and about the way he faced down the religious elite of his day, lifted up the downtrodden and the overlooked. I explained that I loved his creativity, his parables, his quips, his jokes, his puns. I shared about Jesus's miraculous power to heal and control nature. And finally, I landed on his identity as God's son, the one who died for our sins and rose again, defeating sin and death and the devil. Well, this is all kind of an intro. This is giving you the idea. Essentially, this caused a 40-minute conversation that where the, the Uber driver was intrigued. Really? Jesus did all that? Jesus used puns? You know, Jesus joked? Jesus, uh, you know, was with children? Uh, tell me more. All I've known is that he's just kind of a guru. Uh, in fact, that's the word that he used, a religious guru. All of this to say, now, at the end, you know, it's not like the Uber driver accepted Christ, you know, and, and is now a Christian. We don't know. But Mike Frost used that to just say, we need to rethink the way that we talk about evangelism and the way that we actually talk with people about our faith. So with that said, uh, before we kind of dive in to implications, I just ask, I'd ask all of you, have you ever had any conversations like this author did with somebody, uh, more like compelling or intriguing conversations, uh, not just, Hey, I am presenting the gospel from the Roman road or from the, you know, uh, four spiritual laws or, Hey, I've got this, this, this sales pitch to tell you, you know, have you had like really compelling conversations with people before? Yeah, I have. I think, um, Part of obviously being a missionary and living in a different country, there's an intrigue that comes with that when somebody literally just asks, where are you from? Like if they don't know you, oh, where are you from? It's like, oh, I live in the Dominican Republic. Oh, the Dominican Republic. Like it starts this conversation that maybe not everybody has. And the reason why we live in the Dominican Republic is because we're serving the Lord through serving the church as missionaries. And so it literally just opens up a conversation with complete strangers because they're interested in in either the culture or they're interested in, well, why would you move or something? And uh, one of the conversations that I can remember still very clearly because I have periodic contact with this person. When I say periodic, I would say once every two years is my parents live in Naples, Florida. And I went and got a haircut like the first year that they moved there, like 10 years ago. And I just went to the salon that's like across the street from their house. So I was like, I just need a haircut. I don't even know who to look for. And um, so I sat in Jordan's chair and um, she's like, oh, I've never seen you before. You know, are you new in the, in the, in the area? Are you new in this neighborhood? And I said, no, I live in the Dominican Republic. And it started the conversation with her and um, she was newly married and she was very intrigued that, you know, I was home for a little while or what she considered home to be with my mom and dad. And, um, but it opened up a conversation about Jesus in a way, not specifically like what this article did. We didn't talk just purely about Jesus, but she was intrigued about my life of service to Jesus, like why I would move my family. And we literally talked the whole time that she was washing my hair and cutting my hair. And it probably was about an hour. And I say periodic contact with her because now every two years when I'm back at my parents' house, I usually go over there to get my hair cut and I request Jordan. And she's like, oh, how are things in the Dominican Republic? You know, and it's like, she, I don't know that she's a Christ follower, but she knows that I'm a Christ follower. And it's something that does uh, constantly like recreate the connection every time we see each other. That's awesome. good. 
I feel like drivers and barbers and yeah. uh, hairdressers <laughs> like are in an optimal position to have conversations mm -hmm. for right. a while, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I did it once. I must confess, um, I don't like to talk when I am driving to some places, especially if, if it is someone I don't know. But I did it once because I remember I took an Uber to the church. And usually when the driver is picking you up, He asks you, where are you going? Just mm -hmm. to make sure what route is the best one to go. And I told him, I'm going to church. And immediately he looked at my pants. Mm. And he was just, oh, really? Are you a Christian looking at my pants? And I was like, yes. No, no, I think you need to explain that. It was he expecting that you would have a dress Or a skirt. Usually yeah. we have that kind of mentality in here in Dominican Republic. So um, I was like, yes. And then he started to talk about he used to be a Christian and he used to have this faith and he used to go every single Sunday to uh, to the church. But he just started to work a lot and he just left mm -hmm. uh, that life. And um, I remember I, instead of talking about how good is Jesus, I just started to talk to him when I was in that position that I didn't have Christ in my heart, that I was just lost. And I, I remember I started to tell him um, about how was my life without Jesus um, and everything I was facing, how difficult it was for me. Like, it was so empty. And then when I came back to Jesus, when I came back home, everything was different because of him. And I started to talk about my relationship with him. I started to present Jesus as my friend, as someone that is really close to me all the time. And he was like, oh, that's nice. But he was intrigued mm -hmm. about the way that I was so honest with him, so honest to tell him, uh, like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And even though Jesus loved me, even though I got apart, he he was able to receive me back and he was after everything when we just got the, to the temple he was like you know what i'm thinking probably on sunday wow. we can i can go back probably wow. but it's something i think it's something and after that i was like okay maybe i should continue talking <laughs> this way because i i realized i need to work on that but i think it's another way to talk about jesus Yeah. Every time that our car has broken down, it's caused us to have to get, call taxis, call Ubers. And I'm so frustrated in that process. It's, it, it, it just affects everything. You understand that. But every time God opens doors when I'm looking for him, you know, to talk with the driver. And we've had so many conversations like this. Oh, Lord, I'm not asking for more my car to break down more often. Right. Uh, but it does tell me I need to put myself in those positions. Dario, obviously you work in sports ministry. Have you had times in coaching or as you were even consulting and training with other people, sometimes Christians, sometimes not, uh, that you've been able to kind of have these compelling conversations? Yeah. Um, sports ministry is one of the easiest ways to have these transitions between, you know, a playing what's happening in sports to, you know, scripture and Jesus, whether you're winning or losing, et cetera. Um, but one of the major ways that this often happens um, to me is in our company, we wrote a journal, uh, we call it a purpose journal called Taking Aim. And the whole journal is just designed to help people, you know, on this journey of purpose development and the maximization of potential. So it's not a Christian document, you know, so it isn't, you don't have Bible verses and stuff in it, but it is built. And based on Christian principles. Mm -hmm. So anybody who reads it 
automatically begins to ask questions which appear to just be the normal, you know, coaching, self-development questions. But then the answers are just grounded in the scriptures. So I remember one example, one example was a good friend of mine. He's not, you know, he's not saved. He's not a Christian. And he was exposed to what we were doing. And he called and he said, man, you know, Dario, I really need to have a conversation. I need help. I feel like I'm in this stage in life where I need some clarity. And he comes and he sits and they bring the journal and we are going through. And, you know, there are these principles about um, discovering your purpose and this idea that you can only discover your purpose if you know who your creator is. And, you know, obviously this can spark a conversation. Like, you know, what does my, what, 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 what is the creator and purpose? What's the relationship between the two of these things? And then when it comes to, you know, other principles, like, you know, like just the wisdom of Jesus in using parables. And we're talking about, you know, he was thinking about quitting his job and making transitions and, you know, what should he do with what he already have? And you can use the parable of the talents, you know, to show the importance of using what you have already been given to multiply. And saying these stories in this phase, he doesn't know I'm quoting the Bible. He doesn't know that I'm, I'm, I'm but then he would ask, you know, we get this story from, well, let me tell you. <laughs> you know? uh, and this has happened on numerous occasions, you know, where, mm. where I was able to bond with people yeah. who would be so closed if I began with a scripture, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but because they saw the, the journey from this is something applicable to my life and we were able to trace it to this is a biblical principle they were much more open to hear, okay, what other biblical principles, you know, that could help me in my journey and in my life. So, so yeah, so I think it is a, it is, I have found it to be a much more effective method than the usual tracks, knock on doors. Hi, let me tell you about Jesus, but it requires a much more patient, relational, you know, sometimes selfless approach because sometimes, you know, I don't know if I could say this, but people could be annoying sometimes, you know. <laughs> and just, uh, but He's we could be annoying, you know. I could be annoying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just being, you know, just much more patient in because it's like a journey, you know, of these bits of pieces of revealing who God is in a way that people will be intrigued and interested because mm-hmm. they immediately see how this God applies to their lives, you know, so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think too, even as you're talking about that, I think in the year that we're in, you know, we're literally in the 2020s of the history timeline and there is a very deep spirituality to the world. Mm-hmm. Like there is an openness mm-hmm. to spirituality. There's an openness to like uh, the ancient teachers. Yeah. And I think as the church, even like what you were saying, you were giving a teaching of Jesus, but you didn't start with, well, you know what the Bible says about it? Like you just gave a teaching of Jesus. And I feel like there's other world religions that have embraced that for a long time of like, mm-hmm. well, the Confucians, you know, the Confucius Proverbs say, or the Chinese Proverbs, Proverbs and yeah. like they live their lives by these wise teachings of their religion. And I think as Christians, if we can bring a little bit of that back into our own vocabulary of, of you know, knowing Jesus's teachings and being mm-hmm. able to say, this is how I see it playing yeah. out right here. Like yeah. it's not foreign. It's not weird. It's not always this supernatural. You just can't even understand. It's like literally very practical in your life. And this is what I seen like the, and it it leads to the, well, where, how would you ever have thought about that? Well, you know, Jesus teaches (laughs) it in the Bible. I'm a follower of Christ and that's what I believe, you know, and it's as easy as that. Yeah. You know, something if I could say quickly, I realize that for many believers, 
Jesus is a religious figure, but he's not real. Right. You know, like the Bible is just a good story book. You're, you you're know? saying even for Christians. <laughs> even for some Christians, yeah. you know, like, like when, when you get to the integrity of conversation, yes, I believe in Jesus, but he's this distant mm. religious figure, you know, that should be worshipped and adored, but from afar. And there's this gap between who Jesus is and the relevance that he has to their life today beyond I have been saved. I gave my life to Christ. Okay. You know, but if you read the scriptures, if you read how Jesus operated, if you watch his lifestyle, if you watch the advice, even if you go back beyond before Jesus and you read the Proverbs and, you know, you read the, you know, the wisdom literature, you realize how applicable the scriptures are to almost every dimension of our lives. But if we don't carry a perspective that sees the scriptures, that sees Jesus, that sees the Holy Spirit, as a real person mm-hmm. actively involved in our day-to-day life and how we engage and share with others, there will always be this compartment between where we take him. You know, we reserve Jesus for Sunday morning, yeah. you know, for those few hours, but in my workspace, in my job, in, in, on the Uber, you know, he's not he's not applicable here. Yeah. You know, so I think there's this bridge that needs to be built between so many of us seeing not just Jesus as a religious figure, but as a real person who's yeah, actively right. involved in our day-to-day activity and has relevance to the people mm-hmm. that we um, engage with on a daily basis. The, the author actually says, I'll quote this, introduce Jesus as your friend, your hero, your teacher, your savior, your king. Tell people about his exploits, his confrontations with evil, his kind-heartedness. Heck, tell people, he says heck, heck, tell people uh, <laughs> he used puns if that's what it takes. But most of all, let people know you love him. I yeah. think that's interesting what you just said. How many Christians would actually say, oh man, I just love Jesus. I just can't imagine that anyone would not be able to know about him, you know? And I think we're going to title this, this episode more Jesus in evangelism or something like that. You know, that's just like, I have found, I even have a brother that doesn't know the Lord and I've talked to him about Jesus and he actually is open. Literally when he would have said many years ago, he's coming around a little bit, but that he is an atheist. But when we talk about Jesus, He's open. He's yeah. like, oh, Jesus, I love, you know, he says, I like Jesus. Jesus <laughs> is awesome. You know, well, tell me more, you know, <laughs> dear brother of mine, tell me more. And he'll just say, oh man, you know, a lot of what, what we've talked about. Oh, just how he defended the, the, the people, the needy and the, the downtrodden mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, how he spoke against the establishment, you know, that yeah. appeal, appeals to my brother, appeals to me too sometimes, but you know, he, there's something compelling about Jesus. And as soon as we talk about the the church, as soon as we talk about just like, okay, so here's kind of, you know, religion and here's what needs to happen. And he's just been burned by the church. And, um, Natalie, I wanted to ask you, is there something that we need to kind of retake or, or uh, kind of reimagine, uh, with regards to evangelism, not just thinking of it as, okay, here's my message. And here's, uh, you know, I go from point one to point two to point three, but really just focusing on the person of Jesus. Well, I think something we've been doing, I, I don't want to generalize that, but I, something I've been seeing on and on and on, it's that we present Jesus as someone that seems to be so far away, someone who came more than 2,000 years ago, came and died on the cross for us. And this is dumb misunderstood what I'm trying to say. Of course, we need to preach and talk about Jesus 
he came and died for us and his resurrection but it seems to be like so far away like this is him right there dying for us on the cross but we're not talking like the same amount of time of this person that is close like a friend as he was saying uh my savior uh, my i like to call him my lover like mm. someone that it's all the time with me that is walking the path with me so i think we should start talking about more our relationship with god with jesus in that way people will be intrigued in that way i think people will be interested oh really is jesus that for you it is not only a uh, like someone or this religious person or perspective but it's someone real as Dario was saying to you someone that it's close to you someone that is changing you mm. i think we should do that i think in the church we have um maybe like a comfortability with jesus as savior and like our evangelism only has to do with jesus as savior <laughs> we know that the gospel message is he came he incarnated to die on the cross in order to raise again from the dead so that we too would be able to have eternal life like if you had to nutshell the gospel paul does it so many times in his letters to his churches over and over like that's constantly the gospel message and i feel like sometimes we are so entrenched in the nutshell gospel message that we've forgotten all of the rest of God's word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And even like what you were saying a few minutes ago, Dario, of we can almost throw away everything else when we're talking about evangelism, like yeah. nothing else in the Bible can really apply to a time in evangelism unless it has to do with the cross and the resurrected savior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you need a savior? And are you ready to make the decision right now? And mm -hmm. I yes. feel like that's a little bit, maybe a nod to like um, more of this Calvinistic way of seeing things where the just, make a decision, just get it in the door, just, you know, lock it in. And, yes. and I feel like as Wesleyan holiness denomination Christians that we need to have a deeper embrace necessarily of our message of holiness literally talks about meeting this savior changes our life. It produces fruit. The spirit lives in us. Like that is what our doctrine is. And that's a part of evangelism too. It's not just like, oh, you evangelize, get them in the door, and then discipleship happens. And and I'll make a plug for a denominational material of the journey of grace. It literally is helping Nazarenes to say this of like discipleship starts pre knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we as Nazarenes need to have a better vocabulary of talking to somebody about how does Jesus engage people that didn't know him for the first time when it was the first time meeting, he wasn't like, Hey, guess what, Natalie, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. Are you ready to follow me? <laughs> like he engaged them where they were at and they were like, wow, I really love you. I love your teaching. I want to know more about you. Mm -hmm. And that's what caused them to follow. And, and I think as Nazarenes, we have been given this path. We've been given even a discipleship that we would say globally as mm -hmm. Nazarenes, we're going to try and work this in. And so I hope that these types of articles, at least in the Church of the Nazarenes, start to become lesser and that we start to be able to see more people say, well, obviously, that's just the way we do evangelism, right? Like, why would it ever be a make a decision and we're, we're done with evangelism? I hope that conversation kind of goes to the back burner. What you were talking about reminds me of John 10.10, 10, uh, that Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, mm -hmm. but have it more abundantly. Yeah. And many times we've defined life by heaven, Yeah, you know, uh, and certainly we shouldn't minimize that. Uh, I think both of you have said that in your comments, but the abundant part 
my goodness, he gives me peace. He, mm-hmm. he, he, he walks with me. He gives me joy. He helps me, you know, uh, with, with conflict. And uh, there's so much more that's present. There's so much more that's just, uh, he helps me view the world differently. Yeah, you know? He helps me lament. He helps me he, yeah. raise up the oppressed. He helps me yes. free those that yeah. are imprisoned in sin. You know, yeah. he helps me do all this. That's compelling, yeah. you know? And yeah. Dario, I would, I would ask you, uh, the author kind of says, churches need to be workshopping how to tell Jesus's story better. Congregations should be incubators. I love this for missional storytelling. Uh, ever since I've met you, I feel like you have done that very well. Uh, what are, what is your reaction as you hear him say, we kind of need to do better at this on a denominational level, but really just on a local church level as well. Yeah. I, I think the heart of it is the, the danger of Story, or let me say it this way: Storytelling is much more effective when it is experienced as opposed to taught. You know, like when I'm telling the story of my experience and how, you know, how Christ has molded, shaped, how He has opened these doors, or how I have been experiencing abundant living. So I think the heart of it is that the way that we begin to develop a philosophy of Jesus or perspective of Jesus that, as you say, salvation is important, but goes beyond that is by creating missional communities where persons are encouraged to live that out, Mm -hmm. to practice that, to engage in that. Because as I engage in it, as I do it, then the stories begin to emerge. You know, I'd be able to come out and share the story, you know, about how, um, God was able to use me in this space, you know, with this particular person. And just practicing a type of um, incarnational evangelism that we haven't traditionally been accustomed um, to practicing and to be engaging in. One of the things that we have started doing, you know, in the, in the Caribbean, and especially in the sports movement, is being very intentional now about how we define things like evangelism and discipleship. So no, I don't talk about evangelism without discipleship. You know, I remember when it was at Bible school, there was this quote that said, um, evangelism is not complete until the evangelized becomes the evangelist. You know, and from then, I always talk about not just discipleship, but Christ-centered discipleship because churches are excellent at making disciples, you know? Like, did did you ever go to a a class at church or Sunday school for them to teach you when to lift your hands? Mm -hmm. Like, you you know, like, this is come to lift your hands class, you know? At this point in the song is the, but no, you know, you were discipled. You were, whether intentionally or unintentionally, Mm -hmm. that is something that you caught by the culture. You know, whatever's happening in the church is eventually reflected. If you go to a church that is built upon gossip, eventually you will start (laughs) gossiping, you know, whether you go to gossip class or not, (laughs) you know? So the idea is, how do we clearly define not just the importance of stuff like evangelism and discipleship, but who this discipleship effort is built on? And if it is built on Christ, then as we are all saying, there are certain ways, there are certain characteristics, there are certain teachings that would reflect best how Jesus would operate. And I think um, for for me, I have been trying to be much more intentional to help create spaces, help create opportunities. This is why I love short-term missions. You know, just create opportunities for people to develop their own stories with Jesus. And as they develop them, then they're better able to come. Yeah. So the training mm. 
is really just helping them, you know, just helping to shape the language or how they say or how they phrase it, as opposed to, you know, um, me now trying to teach you how to tell a story. Let's experience same together. And as we experience same together in our own lives and in how we engage and relate with people, whether it be in our workplace or in the community or on the football field, um, those types of st- stories emerge. But I do agree um, that, the church needs to become definitely an incubator of these stories. But I would say that the way we develop these stories is by creating more opportunities for people to serve and to live it out yeah. so that these stories are organic, you know, as opposed to to just telling them this is what you should do or say. It <laughs> yeah. makes me think of some of our missionaries that come back after their Genesis assignment. And a part of what we do with people that come back from a Genesis assignment is we do something called a re-entry retreat. Mm-hmm. And a part of re-entry retreat is um, a teaching them storytelling because what we've realized um, over 10 years of sending out missionaries that are literally involved with amazing things that God is doing in community transformation, they have so many stories, but when they are living inside it and they're seeing it happen like in real time, they almost have a hard time stepping outside of it and seeing God's (laughs) fingerprints all over it. And so when they come, a big piece of what we teach them is, so like we're gonna go back through the two years and we're gonna have you try and remember who that person was two years ago that all of a sudden is like, this is the best church leader that we have after two years, but like, who were they two years ago? And I think identifying some of those pieces when we're, when we are becoming better storytellers in this context, like we all can do that. If we truly, I'm going to read something that the, um, that the author said, he said, but you can't convincingly tell a story until you've made it your own. Right. Right. And so I think a lot of us would say, well, I'm, trying to be a good disciple of Christ. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do the things. And sometimes it's just being able to take that one step back and say, wow, God really is at work here. And yeah. I kind of thought it was on my own power, but it's not like I, I can see. And when we start to be able to have the lens of what God's doing and he's helped me through this crisis or I should, you know, I'm looking at Scott and I'm thinking like we've been in car accidents before and there's times when he sits in front of the insurance adjuster. And instead of being the angry person that they're very used to working with, you know, there's times that they've literally thanked him for just the patience that he has. Mm-hmm. Like that's God at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's an opportunity to be like, well, I've, you know, I believe in Jesus that he gives me patience. And so I'm glad, I'm glad that I can bless you with that today. And that's all it needs to be on some of that stuff. And like, let the Holy Spirit open those doors. But when the story becomes your own and you start to see that, wow, my life is yielding the fruit of the spirit and being able to affirm that when other people are recognizing it, I think that's a big part of Christian living. And even in this article, he stepped through the open door, the Holy Spirit afforded him. He easily could have said, oh, I would love for somebody that knows Nashville, you know, to point out all the sites because he's like, I don't want to have that conversation. He could have shut it down as easily as he entered into it. And I think that's the other piece of just being really aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing, the, the, the opportunities he presents and seeing every day. I think it's a good practice for Christians to every day, every week, be like, what did I see God do this week? Yeah, We as missionaries have the opportunity to share the message of what's going on afar every two years. And I've been so grateful for that practice because I've been able to see God at work in my life through the service that I've given him. And I think every Christian has that opportunity and we just need to hone the skill, just like Mm -hmm. what you're saying, like hone the skill. 
just based on what Emily is saying, I think that we see throughout the scriptures, God has this habit of reminding his people to remember what he has done. Yeah. You know, from the Old Testament, whether it was building altars or, you know, even as we come into the New Testament, the practice of journaling and writing and scribing is built on, I want you to remember what I am doing, what I have done. Mm-hmm. Because there's a direct relationship between us remembering the goodness of God yeah. and how we live today. You know, right. it's like the it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And I think it's just so important as you see in that story building to make sure you create a space that you can build the habit of remembering. Yeah. Whether that yeah. be journaling, whether that be recording, whatever it is, remember the goodness of God. Amen. You know? Maybe someone is listening, and uh, one thing that we do with our uh, short-term missionaries, our Genesis missionaries, we haven't said this on this episode, but we are coordinators of global missions in Genesis. Genesis really seeks to to transform the cities of our region. And so we send out usually young people, and we just tell them, okay, you need to have dozens upon dozens, if not hundreds, of these types of conversations. Some of them will not bear a lot of fruit immediately, but some of them will. And uh, gradually over your two years, you will see fruit, certainly. Maybe there's somebody that's listening and our challenge to you would actually be seek out these conversations, uh, seek out more conversations in general. I mean, don't just be in your own bubble and just this, I have to get things done and just, I mean, really be intentional and it was the person at the gas station or the, you know, or, uh, the hairdresser, or we've talked about, you know, the Uber driver. Anywhere there's a captive audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be intentional and seek out, ask questions. Sometimes it's not, Hey, I want to present yeah. something to you. It's more of a question that, leads to the compelling, uh, conversation. And so, uh, just bump those, the number of those conversations way up and you will start to see, Oh man, the Holy spirit is willing. He wants you to have those type of conversations. Uh, so what has become hard for us in the past will then become more natural. Uh, we do need to kind of close at this point, but Emily, I mean, I'm sure there will be people that have comments and want to know more and where can they visit us and be in touch with us. You can comment on our Facebook page, which is the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us on mesoamericagenesis.org on the podcast tab. And if you're interested in missionary assignment with the Genesis Initiative on that yes. same exact website, you can contact us and we'd love to give you more information. If you're like, I love this conversation about evangelism, maybe God wants you to go to one of our cities and practice it for a couple of years. Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. Well, we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Dario Richards. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.